This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Everybody. Welcome to the HP Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin. Here with me, the beautiful boys, some very special beautiful boys this week. We, of course, have been. Wait, am I? Hi, first of all. Yeah. Second of all, am I part of the very special beautiful boys or, or is it just and of course we have been? Not right now. You're mm-hmm. not part in, in this crew. You're not one of the special ones. That doesn't mean you don't have value and you're not beautiful in my mind. It just means oh, that I will show your podcast down. Damn. In addition to Ben, we also have a special guest this week, Mr. Matty Plays. Welcome to the show. We're happy to have you here. What's up, man? I'm happy to be here. I, I guess I am a, a beautiful boy now, right? Is that uh, you are? Is that my my title for the show? That's the thing. I somehow that's one of those things that, and you've been podcasting for a long time, so like certain um, phrases just somehow stick. And the beautiful boys mm-hmm. is just. That's what we are when we're on this show. The beautiful boys are 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 out and ready to go. It's kind of funny because sometimes when I'm streaming, some people will, people who listen to the podcast will pop in and be like, "Hey, it's the beautiful boys." Like, <laughs> wow, you're right. It is. Yeah, that's awesome. It's not because of my looks. So, real quick, for anyone who doesn't know, Maddie, Maddie, you are a a YouTuber, a podcaster, and you're also technically my coworker in a way. Yeah, in a sense. Since, yeah. Since we both work for Colin Moriarty doing side quest stuff, but just give everybody a quick rundown about who you are and what you do. I really like RPGs, so that's sort of my bread and butter. I make YouTube videos on pretty much that consistently, whether it be like Cyberpunk or I talk about a under-discussed game like Biomutant. I just like to talk about role-playing games, really. And you know, I'll expand to like trending industry topics, like when The Last of Us Part Two was getting dragged pretty hard. I was curious about that, so I would discuss uh, that nonsense. Uh, so yeah, it's just kind of a mixture of that. I've, I've always kind of just guided my channel with what I'm primarily interested in. It seems to have worked so far, but I also do streams on twitch.tv slash plays. Uh, I haven't streamed in about a number of days now just because I was taking some time to just breathe. I've been pretty uh, pretty over, pretty much overworking myself lately, uh, but I do streams as well um, where I, you guessed it, play RPGs. So that's kind of just my thing, man. Yeah, man, you've been I wanted to ask you, this is something I've actually been meaning to ask you off the air. But how long have you been at the YouTube game? Because I know that like on Twitter, I'll see pop up like someone post a picture of you from like years ago or something like that. So it seems like it's been a long time. Yeah, I uh, I've been technically doing this for well over a decade. You know, if you combine a couple of channels I had before this, but as it stands now, um this this channel I'm running, I believe I started in 2010, so it's been up for, uh, yeah, about 10 years because I started it, or it might be 2011. I'd have to double check. I started in September. I know that much, uh, and I remember we started with Fear Three. We did a let's play for that, but yeah, there's like a whole, you know, because I was like 16, I think, when I started my YouTube channel. So you sort of see me growing up with my content. So it's actually pretty interesting and i think that's why a lot of my viewers like to go back and like find the videos of me when my face was a little rounder no facial hair and i was like <laughs> yeah. 18 and kind of just remind me you know of, of what i once was so i don't get too egotistical <laughs> how nice of them yeah i appreciate it i, I like when people like are investor in, invested in the history of myself um not even as like a complimentary way just i think it's hilarious <laughs> so you're also on patreon and Correct. so you've got a, a thing going on there. That's patreon.com slash Mr. Matty Plays, right? Yes. Yeah. We give out early access to my weekly podcast, which, Dustin, you were just on. That's right. Um, there's also weekly Patreon-exclusive videos. I'm pretty good with communicating there. Sometimes I can't meet the uh, the prerequisite for, for weekly Patreon videos because they know sometimes I'm, like, streaming and making videos every day. And 
Uh, it's just not that feasible. But uh, this actually brings me to something interesting because you know how YouTube uh, really pushes like 10 plus minute videos for their algorithm because like that's where you can get mid-roll ads. But now they're actually making it where it has to be over eight minutes. So I'm curious oh. to see uh, how that how that pans out because will the algorithm now feed uh, eight minutes? But anyway, just th those 10 plus minute videos like take infinitely more time than the content I used to make back in like say 2017 slash early 2018 where it was like five to seven minute videos um that were just like heavily edited um these are, are much longer pieces so yeah sometimes my schedule gets a little bit crowded and uh I, I won't have room for those patreon exclusive videos but they're a very understanding bunch and so yeah we do a bunch of things we have a discord there all that stuff i try to offer as much value as i can at the lower levels and then those who have the means and for example, want to be at the end of all my videos, like, you know, they can pay a little extra, that type of stuff. Right. Yeah, for sure. I actually, I just, I, I was already pledged to you, but I upped a little bit so I could check out your discord. And How do you uh, like it seems it? like, uh, some, definitely some characters in there for sure. <laughs> well, so. What I, what I take most pride in with my discord is I've never had to ban anyone. I've never That's had to nice. reprimand anyone. It's actually incredible. I, I like, it's the same thing. Not the same exact thing with my Twitch stream, but I don't have to like bring down any type of ban hammer on most people. I have a pretty relaxed community, so um, I take pride in that. Nice, yeah. So last but not least, one last thing I did want to mention is that, and we talked about it earlier, is that you are also doing side quest over on Colin's channel for Colin's Last Stand, and you've been doing that for a few months now, right? Yeah, since I want to say February or March uh, was when my first video launched. And I've really enjoyed that because as someone who's just very creative, uh, but I understand like where my corner of the web is, as I said earlier, it's RPGs. And you know, like I said, I do dive into the trending stuff, but I know I'm not like the guy you're going to go to for next gen gaming details, even if I pay pretty close attention. So it's good to have Colin's platform where I can provide more PlayStation oriented content and, and sort of think on the same level I do with everything else on my channel, but apply it to a, a different zone almost in gaming. Uh, so it's been pretty rewarding in that way. And obviously like Colin's never told me to change what I've said or alter any videos at all. You know, he's just taken every single video I've sent as is, uh, which is, which is pretty cool. So it's sort of been like making videos for my own channel and it's been nice to interact with uh, the CLS community, which has been warm and welcoming as well. Yeah. For sure. So pretty exciting stuff. It's weird, Dustin. He usually trashes your videos and makes you do them twice. Yeah. He <laughs> makes me, you know, change a bunch of stuff. So he has maybe some favoritism for uh, Maddie. Who knows? <laughs> but um, yeah, you had mentioned that just this past Friday that I was on your show, um, the Ham Radio podcast. And so that's a show that you do with Carrick from ACG. So Everyone should definitely go and check out that show for sure. Um, it was a really good time. We uh, talked about a lot of different stuff. And that was actually my first time talking to Carrick. And he is definitely a really cool dude. I mean, I've known about him for a while. He's, you know, been really successful on, on YouTube. But um, yeah, that, that show was lots of fun. So easiest guy to get along with. <laughs> He's a he's a great guy. Yeah, I, I, that's the one of my favorite things about our show. And I guess it shouldn't be a good thing, but it's just cool to see is people will like come to the channel and they'll click on the podcast on a whim and they'll find out I'm doing it with Carrick. Like you said, Carrick's super popular. He's arguably like the most trustworthy reviewer out there, too. A lot of people uh, invest themselves in his opinion because he's he's very informative. And so it's really cool to see people go like, oh, my God, Matt does a podcast with him. Like it's 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 cool to have that kind of a that kind of a co-host yeah there was even some people because i was obsessively looking at the comments and people on twitter i there was a couple of people that mentioned that was like i had no idea that you know that this show that you know maddie and and character did a show together so it seems like people are still finding out about yeah that. it's it's growing you know that's how i've looked at it is um we went through a little bit of a dip uh within i'd say like towards the end of 2018 um was when we were starting to come out of it a little bit and people are because like I, I get why some people wouldn't be willing to give our show a shot you you hop on and it's like 200 plus episodes you're like okay like there's got to be inside <laughs> jokes here like every podcast i think the only inside joke we have is a pretty obvious one it's that Carrick loves far cry primal 
I like Battlefield Hardline. We just grief each other all day about it. And and that's right. really about it. It's one thing I like about our show. I feel like it's good to have uh, something where people can just hop in at whatever point they want and, and they don't have to worry about like understanding the 80 million side jokes. Apologies about my dogs. All right. There we go. They're done. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cool. All right. Well, I guess we can probably I feel like we've done like 11 minutes intro, which is a little longer than we normally do. But anyway, this is the HP podcast. I already mentioned that a few minutes ago, but thanks, everybody, for listening and being here. We appreciate it. We know there's lots of shows out there that you could be listening to, but you're here with us. And that means a lot. We're going to have a lot of fun talking with Maddie. And if you didn't know already, our show is also available on Patreon at patreon.com slash handsome phantom where at just the dollar level, you can get this show early along with some other perks, including at one of the higher levels, you can get access to our show HP after dark, which is basically our show where we talk about whatever we want. And that has a new episode going live this week. Mm -hmm. So with special, special guest, apparently, apparently that's the the term for it now, right? (laughs) Special guest, Dave Landon, the Canadian, which we talk a lot about Canada in that episode, especially since it was recorded over the July 4th weekend. So that should be live for patrons and you'll have to wait a month if you're not a patron. Right. Yeah. And if you haven't heard the show at all, feel free to check out the free feed where you can check out the show. Um, just the older episodes of the show. That's right. Uh, last but not least, our official sponsor for this show is Balls Garana, which is an awesome energy drink, which I actually meant to chill one and drink because we're sometimes I don't, have one because it's too late in the day and i don't want to have like because you're a sissy yeah sometimes the caffeine dude it will yeah i get it it'll keep me up and i don't like that so check them out and i think that's it i think we're ready to to dive in so let's get into the news first of all we're going to start the show with speculation which i don't know if that's a good or a bad thing but that's what we're doing So Microsoft announced the Xbox Games Showcase will officially happen on July 23rd at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is kind of what we've been waiting for. We have had a trickle out of information from Xbox starting as early as late last year at the Game Awards when we finally saw the box. I guess technically the teases began at E3 when they announced... um, they, I'm trying to. Did they have a project name attached? I don't recall. I think it was I, I, Scorpio or something for a yeah. really long while. Was Scorp? I, I thought Scorpio was. Um, or was that the? That was X, Xbox uh, One. The One X. Yeah. Uh, I don't know anymore. <laughs> I know too many, yeah. too many code yeah. names. Was As it if Anaconda? The, the names weren't confusing enough. You had to also throw in the code names. Right. Uh, I, to be honest with you, if I said I, w- it would just be a guess because I am confused. But I, I think you're right that it was at E3. Uh, the Game right. Awards is when they revealed the box, right? You know, at least the, the outside of it. So since then, we've had some trickle of information on their Xbox Insider blog or whatever. And they also did their third party special um, stream, which definitely was hit with some criticism since they were had advertised it as a gameplay focused show. And, it, you know, around half of it was uh, not gameplay. It was a lot of um cutscenes and in-engine type stuff so it was also just low production value right didn't help it yeah a lot of people in their in their work at home offices with webcams which is all of course understandable based on the time frame but it definitely did not uh, match up to the quality that we then saw later with playstation who did their final or not final but finally did their big reveal of the playstation 5 so coming to this event the xbox games showcase we actually don't really know very much about this event as far as what they're going to show other than that this is their big first party lineup. So Maddie, I'm going to throw this one to you. Uh, What do you think that we can expect to see at this event? Yeah, I am really excited for this one. Like I was super excited for PlayStation, but I felt like it was easier to dice up what to expect from them. Plus there was a million and one leaks with xbox it's going to be very interesting because they also seem to be pretty aware that like may's show as you mentioned earlier uh wasn't well received i wouldn't say like what you saw was bad it's just that it was mismarketed and so fans Mm -hmm. were displeased on that front so they know they need to have a good show which i think makes them maybe a little more keen to to push out an extra announcement or two that'll just get people excited um so i'm just curious to see what surprises 
they'll have in store. Because, you know, there are ones that I don't want to term as guarantees, but ones that we can really expect, like a new Fable game. That's one that I'm most excited for. And that's been rumored since late or, or it might have been early 2017. It's been around for a while, though. And like it leaked on Mixer and it, 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 like there was apparently gameplay, but it turned out to be fake. Like there's just been so much about Fable with the, the gist is that it's real. Uh, so I definitely expect that. Of course, Halo will be there. I'd be shocked if they didn't end the show with Halo um, because they've really, really done a great job keeping quiet on that. No leaks from that either. And I'm super excited to see what they do with it um, because I don't know if they're going to go back to basics or whatnot. I just remember reading rumors that they were going to open up the game. It was going to be almost like open world, uh, which for a Halo game, it doesn't sound fitting, but it could be really good uh, just because it's such an interesting universe to explore. So I, I would be all about that. But, you know, there there is definitely the possibility that Obsidian shows up Um they just have so many great studios, and I imagine they'll announce they have more studios on deck. Uh, I think that's a safe expectation. But, yeah, what, what gets me most excited is the idea of the little surprises they'll have tucked in there. Because with PlayStation, you know some of their relations, so you can kind of narrow down, like, oh, Bluepoint will probably be at the PlayStation event. And they were, um, whereas when it comes to Xbox, they're kind of still establishing stuff, and we don't know their true direction. Are they going to sort of do what the original Xbox did, go with RPGs? Are they going to uh, focus on shooters? Like, what is their uh, their, their slice going to be? Because you have Obsidian and NXI already. These are two, like, really talented RPG studios. Um, do they just build out from there? I'll be, I'll be really interested to see. Going back to what you said about Halo, uh, about ending the show with it, I would say as long as they begin or end the show with Halo, I'll feel pretty good. I mean, because... Up to this point, I haven't felt good about Halo uh, coming out. Uh, it's felt kind of lackluster, like they're they're trying to hide something. I don't know, mm -hmm. and maybe that's just reading too far into the the absence. But if they if they cram Halo somewhere into the middle of the show, um, I'm going to be worried. Even if it's the same thing they could have showed at the beginning or middle. But I feel like leading or ending your show with Halo shows a little bit of confidence. So hopefully that's the case and. Uh, I agree that if they announce Fable, that probably won't, but might change my uh, desire to to get the new Xbox one way or another. Oh, for sure. So, Ben, you and I talked pretty in-depth uh, on this show about how uh, for a long time it seemed like Xbox was, was leading the charge as far as the conversation around next-gen. All eyes were on Sony, and Sony's event happened, especially after Xbox's third-party event didn't go so well and kind of uh, set the bar mm -hmm. for what kind of things we are expecting or want. We know about but the potential for Fable and Halo, of course. I think Halo is, I mean, at this point, guaranteed locked. What do you think? Um, what do you think Xbox strategy should be as far as like retaking, like setting the bar even higher now than what PlayStation pulled off? Well, I, uh... For a long time, I mean, it's probably been since the original Xbox. On the 360, you had some some good first-party games, but really since the original Xbox, you haven't seen them be uh, what I would consider super strong with exclusives. So I think that, and they've done this to some extent with Game Pass and whatnot, but I think what, what Microsoft really needs to do is show me value. Like, how can how is buying your box, your system, buying into your ecosystem, or continuing to buy into your ecosystem going to be more beneficial to me than not like for the money I'm going to spend, I need to get X amount of things. And I'm not talking like, please make a new entertainment console for my family to watch Netflix on. I'm talking like, I need to understand what the other features are because I, I just, and this is a little bit of bias, but I was always an Xbox guy before the PS4. I just don't feel like their first party games are ever going to meet the quality of Sony first, first party games that I want. That doesn't mean they're better or worse, uh, you know, objectively, just from my standpoint. So if you can show me that your your box is a good value, your services are a good value, um, that's important, to, more important to me. Uh, and I don't mean cheap. I just mean, like, if I'm going to pay $600 for it, show me why it's worth $600. That's fine. But but I need to, to you know, vet that. Um so I don't necessarily need to see any kinds of specific games or anything. I'm 
frankly, for the first time ever, more interested in services. Uh, the, for me, this isn't a matter of will I get, you know, a PlayStation or an Xbox. It's a matter of will I get both because I'm already going to get a PlayStation. And then the other thing is, what is it about the Xbox? Or maybe it's not what is it about the Xbox that's different, but what is it about your services that would encourage me to buy your hardware? Because I already have a pretty decent PC. And if I can run, if, if you're not giving me an incentive to buy your box in order to play your first party games right away, you need to give me something else. So I, I guess for me, it's all about the the presentation of it. It's not necessarily about what games are going to be showing, although that's important. It's about what is your, your complete package for me. Right. And I have this vision in my mind that like, let's say they do announce the price mm -hmm. and release date. You have to imagine they're like, this is the day it's coming out. This is how much it costs. It comes with three months of Game Pass or something. I, I feel like it's a lock that yeah. they're going to include at least a small amount of Game Pass. Right. Simply for the value of saying day one, you'll be able to play our entire first party launch lineup. Right. As you know, think of it as like part of the deal. And then people, you know, will go online and be like, look, for Sony, you get this much and right. you have to buy these extra games and stuff like that. Well, one of the best things in the world is buying a new game console. And one of the worst things in the world is realizing when you buy a new game console, not only do you have to pay tax that you forgot about because of the sticker price, but you also got to spend at least another 60, 70 bucks plus tax to just have one, game. to just have one game. Yeah. So I agree that having that, um, having that as a package deal would be important to some people for me. I'm at the point where I'm like, if I want new hardware, I'm going to just plan on going broke that month, you know? Right. Yeah. Just don't, don't eat yeah. for a couple of days. Don't feed your kids. Either. <laughs> My they kids don't, don't need it. to eat. My wife, she's, she'll make it. We have a garden, you know, it'll be fine. I was going to say ramen is like 10 or 15 cents. A pack. <laughs> I don't think my wife, I will eat ramen. I don't think my wife would eat ramen. Yeah. Maddie, do you have any other thoughts about this uh, Xbox event? Kind of along the I, same uh... thing. I like what you guys touched on about the services. I'd never considered how how that can really sway a lot of people knowing, hey, I buy the console and pay 15 bucks for the first month and I have access to all the launch games versus, hey, I buy the console and then $210 if they're 70 bucks each worth mm -hmm. of games at launch. And now it's it's become, let's say it's a $600 console at launch. Now it's become like a, a borderline $900 purchase or probably more than that. Um I think that's actually a really good point, and I could totally see Xbox driving that home. I think, you know, one thing we're definitely going to see a lot of during this showcase is announcements of Game Pass of some kind. I don't think they're going to make it, like, a huge focal point. I think it's going to be more so in the sense of, like, you know how they, they start off with, like, a title card at the beginning of most of their, like, world premiere or whatever. Um right. I'm sure they'll mention on the bottom left corner or something during the trailer, like they have in the past, like available on Game Pass launch day mm -hmm. or whatever, um, and just really push that home, that value, because that is absolutely the 100% leg up they have on PlayStation. The rumor has been PlayStation will have a, a state of play in August to kind of respond to whatever Xbox does, um, which is smart of them because they can sort of just suck the air out of the room for Microsoft. Yeah, give them no room to breathe. Yeah, and Microsoft really doesn't have a platform-like state of play. They do. They have inside Xbox, but I don't think it's as marketable as state of play. And maybe – I don't want to say I'm biased when I say that, but I definitely uh, pay closer attention to PlayStation than I do Xbox, but I have more of an interest in Xbox's studios, if that makes any sense. Mm, yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think, yeah, the services you guys really – I can't – say much more on that i think you guys really nailed it on that it's an extremely good point that they're probably going to want to push when they announce the price point so it makes it easier to swallow right like if they're in the same ballpark as uh as playstation you knowing that you'll get the games for much cheaper even though down the line it won't be as cheap because you'll be paying a recurring fee knowing you'll have instant access to all of them and and, and that you'll have a full library day one on your console like that's almost unheard of <laughs> you know yeah, so right. like i think that's a, a really good selling point for them they know that and they're, they're absolutely going to push that yeah either way i think it's um it's always exciting you know i i always think it's weird when people i mean console wars stuff is is weird to me even though i totally remember being in seventh grade and really caring about that stuff oh, 100%. <laughs> but for me now as an adult i'm just like i'm excited even though I definitely consider myself much more on the PlayStation side of things, 
I want Xbox to hit hard this, you know, this event. Well, like, it just pushes Sony right. to push harder. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I've said many times, I don't care if you hand me a cardboard box full of components, but it plays the best games in the world. I, doesn't, I don't care about the box. I need the games to be good. The reason I like Sony more right now is because I, for me, not for everybody, but for me, those games are speak to me more. So if, you know, if Xbox can be putting out games that speak to me in the same kind of way, then I would love to have two people competing for my money that month hmm. or any month, you know, with new game releases. For sure. Okay, let's move on to this next one. Now, a quick preface is Maddie, Carrick, and I went in depth on this discussion and so I would encourage everybody to go listen to Maddie's show to kind of hear our full thoughts. But I wanted to bring Ben into the conversation because I feel like this is probably one of the most important aspects of the launch of Next Gen and maybe one of the biggest stories this year. We'll see how it unfolds. But as of right now, uh, NBA 2K2021 uh, revealed their pre-orders for the new NBA game. And it was shown that the next gen version of the game will cost $69.99. So we're looking at a $10 increase from the current generation of games. We've currently been at that $59.99 price point since 2006, when mm-hmm. I think it was 2006, when um, either 2005 or 2006, when the Xbox 360 launched. So it's been a very long time since we've had a price increase. And, you know, Right now, we don't know for sure if this is going to be the standard for pricing. We just know that this is the way that 2K is currently going. So, Ben, I wanted to bring you into the fold and see what you thought about this price increase. Well, first, I mean, I feel like it's long overdue. If you if you just take emotion out of it or, you know, your paycheck out of it and look at the simple logic of it, like it makes sense. It's we got inflation. We've got 15 years of no increase in game prices. Um, I think it makes sense as far as that goes. Uh, what I will say is, I mean, none of us like paying more for things we're already paying a certain amount for. Um, but as long as they continue to drive value, uh, for the $60 or $70 games for the full price games, I guess I should say, then I'm fine with it. What's going to bug me is if we continue to see more and more and more, uh, monetization of games where, you know, NBA 2K is kind of known for milking your wallet right after you get it so if they bump it up by 10 bucks and and they make ten dollars extra on every person who buys the game will they still need to heavily monetize the title will they be able to afford something now they'd be stupid from a stockholder perspective they'd be idiots not to still monetize it because people are still going to spend that money but i mean things are getting more expensive uh, I'm sure even the discs that they're printing them on because they might have to be a different, you know, something different. I don't know. Uh, but as long as, you know, they don't, the predatory practices don't creep up more then I would say that I'm fine. You know, I'm fine with this. I think it's long overdue and I think it's only healthy for the industry. Um, we have a lot of studios making a lot of games that uh, probably deserve more money. Then we're giving them now what i would like to see though is if they creep it up to 70 i have a feeling you'll see more games that we, we look at them now in this current generation we're like oh is this a full price or is this a 40 dollars game you know we have a lot of like 40 dollars great games but they're they're a little cheaper because they're not quite worth that extra 20 dollars. i wonder if we'll see more games that say yeah we really just can't justify the higher price we should drop down to that you know maybe it's 50 dollars or whatever but we, maybe it's not a full release. And I, I have a feeling that that model might, with at least like double A's and, and uh, you know, bigger indie games, um, might end up more at that $40 or $50 price than the $70. Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting just because when Maddie and I were talking to Carrick, he kind of uh, indicated that other publishers weren't necessarily on board yeah. with... Uh, the you know moving up games to sixty nine ninety nine, Maddie. What do you think as far as you know uh, the pricing? Do you think that we're we're in for 
a total across the board increase of $69.99? Or is it possible that we're going to see a more diverse lineup of prices going from 40, 50, you know, 60, 70? Um, you know, when Carrick said that, I thought to myself that it's very well possible just because of the sticker shock. But I think you're going to see a lot of stockholders like you mentioned step in and be like, well, hey, this may be working, but we could be making more. Uh, apologies again about my dog. He will not stop talking or barking. <laughs> we only hear him like talk. a tiny little bit. It's actually okay. cute. It, it's like me, a little bark. Okay, good. Because for me, it's like, oh, rah. it's like this just <laughs> overbearing, like, why now when I'm guesting on a show? So yeah. I really do apologize to the listeners oh, as well. Um, but anyway, as for the game prices, I, I feel like um, when I was listening to Sacred Symbols, they made a really good point. I think it was Chris. He said that, like, imagine because nba is so heavily monetized that 70 is like the 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 middle point because of that monetization and that 80 is actually like where we're going because i was thinking a little bit after our show how much of a difference does ten dollars per copy make when the production value of games is going up so much like 80 million to 150 million i think is what um sean Layden had said like just just upfront cost after upfront cost with no return um it makes you makes you question that kind of stuff um, so I feel like ultimately it was to be expected, you know, accounting for inflation. It's just, it had to happen and it's, we're lucky it's been static for so long, but I also understand given the, the current economy, uh, where, where a lot of people are financially, it is probably extremely frustrating to suddenly have the game prices shoot up because some are kind of concerned that gaming's always been a luxury, but it, you know, they're worried with the $70 price tags that new games are going to become this more luxurious activity to, to partake in because now we're one step closer to a hundred dollars, <laughs> which I'm sure people are still afraid of. Um, and they think that way too. the domino effect. Does that mean if I'm in for the long run that in like 20 years, I'm paying $90 a copy for the game? Well, maybe, I don't know, <laughs> but that's the beauty of what we were talking about earlier with game pass. You know, you need something like game pass, um, and that's why Xbox has a, a strong appeal to people economically. Uh, you know, you may end up spending more money over time, but that $15 a month might be just really affordable. So um, I think it, it shines a light on other options there. It shines a light on indies, which we'll talk about later, double A games, um, games that maybe don't get a as strong of a look, like a Greedfall, a Vampire. You know, these $50 games that come out and people are like, oh, you know, mid-tier RPG, whatever. But now those might bump up to 60, which is less of a sticker shock, less of a, a thing that we're um, not so used to. And um, and I think they can become more appealing because now these games are going to they've already been closing the, the gap to AAA in a lot of ways, especially like Greedfall. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, how they play into that and uh, how much popularity popularity sorry they will gain right it's so interesting i was thinking the other day about how pricing how i personally view games based on a price because and this doesn't necessarily make any sense i'll see a game for 39.99 and i'm like wow that's awesome it's like a a great value yeah and then i'll see a game for 49.99 and i'm like hmm feels like you guys couldn't quite justify the 59.99 right. so you're just knocking off a little bit when really it may not be you know worth it so it's weird that and i'm sure someone else could see it completely differently that they see 49.99 they're like wow that's like the value of a 60 dollar game they're giving us a little bit of a break so there's a lot of interesting like mental games that i think go on with with pricing that we don't even realize there's also the the fact and and i know that you know, maybe the majority of the population doesn't do this, but you and I, at least Dustin, we, we often don't end up, and I'm not just talking about because of the website and the podcast that, you know, sometimes we do are, are fortunate enough to get free games, but there's often times where I don't pay full price for a game, whether it's because it's a new Nintendo release. And for whatever reason, Walmart knocks $10 off the sticker price, or there's this pre-order on Amazon. That's a, that's a discounted price or whatever. So like, yeah, games overall are, are probably eventually going to go up, whether it's right away or, you know, a couple years. But um, there's still always most likely going to be those discounts that you can find as long as you're willing to just, like, wait 30 seconds before you click buy it now. Right. Yeah. 
so we'll see. There's still a lot more that we don't know as far as pricing. Um, maybe, who knows, maybe this Xbox event. I think it would be weird. I don't think it's something you announce at a thing, so that's probably totally wrong. I think that eventually we're just going to get, when the consoles go for pre-order, we're just going to get a list of games, and that's when we'll find out. Either that or, I mean, let's say Xbox is planning on, or Microsoft's planning on saying all of their first-party games are going to stay at X amount of price, whether whether it's 60 or 70 or you know whatever. If they said all of our first-party titles for the next generation are going to be this amount, I mean, that's the only way I could see them making a price announcement. They can't control, I mean, they could control, but they're not going to control what NBA 2K does or what Madden does this year or anything like that. But if they had, a, if they did have a set price for their first party titles and they could make that a headline, that might be an opportunity for them to get ahead. Yeah, that's an element that, Maddie, we didn't talk about really. I didn't think about if, if Microsoft and Sony, like, went ahead and made a bold, like, we're keeping our game prices the same. I think that's maybe the only way that we wouldn't see an increase if, is if the big boys kind of shame mm-hmm. shame the uh, other big publishers into, mm. you know, making it look like bad PR to have that increase. But Yeah, I guess the only issue is that Sean, who, you know, had a pl- former head of PlayStation Studios, made it pretty clear, like, hey, you know, the- these games cost so much to make with no with no return on investment that you might end up, if you see them shaming that and going with the $60 price tag, which I, I personally don't think they will, um, that their, their games are going to become smaller. You know, they're like, right. mm-hmm. uh, the last of us part two, I'm almost done with it is a fine example. It's pretty much two stories. You know, it's two full stories, uh, wrapped into one. And I think what would happen, and maybe this would have been better for the game. So it's not like the best example, but I've just enjoyed the gameplay and just having, uh, that system to engage with where I've enjoyed some of the longer bits of the title. But um, it's one of those things where that game might be cut in half completely. And I think while that may work for The Last of Us Part Two, there's very few games I can think of outside of some open world RPGs or whatnot that could that could benefit from a little more quality control and, and trimming of content. Uh, but the other thing is, is I remember in high school, and maybe I wasn't the best critic then, but I just remember in high school and early college days, like what mattered to me most, man, was just having a boatload of things to do because yeah. like $60 was, you know, I wasn't really like full, full time on YouTube. I wasn't really making much, not like I'm making a ton now, but I'm at least I can afford games uh, where back then it was like I had to really pick and choose. And so I valued games that had a ton of stuff to do in them. And I, I don't want to lose touch of that because I know how important it is. Right. For sure. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on. These next two stories might be a little shorter, but they're still really interesting, so I want to go over them. On the PlayStation blog, Shuhei Yoshida, which we now know he's kind of taken uh, a new role at Sony as being kind of ahead of their indie initiative, finally announced what he and his kind of new role at Sony has been working on, and that is the PlayStation Indies Initiative. Now, this is a quote directly from the PlayStation blog. Uh, Yoshida says, With PlayStation Indies, we hope to spotlight and support the best of the best indie games being published on PlayStation and the entire indie community as a whole. Our goal is to make PlayStation the best place to develop, find, and play great indie games. Now, with this announcement, they showed off, I believe it was like nine, Mm -hmm. nine different indie games that are coming to either PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, some of the highlights where I think that the one of most note as far as a, a name, uh, you know, a brand name would be Worms Rumble, which is a new Worms games. I actually watched a trailer for that today and looked pretty interesting. I'm a little hesitant about the they're doing active real time combat yeah. for Worms game, which is kind of weird. Uh, some of the other ones that stuck out to me just because I've either uh, seen them or played them at an event Haven, which we actually have a video on our YouTube channel about recompile, which uh, we played mainly at PAX, and our editor Dave gave it his game of the show. And uh, hopefully, I'm saying this right. Maquette, right? The Annapurna game. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, that one was also at PAX, and that was confirmed to be coming to PlayStation Five, and also got its own write up. So, let's just talk about real quick. I wanted to see what you guys thought as far as PlayStation has had kind of an up and down relationship with indies because. We saw that at the beginning 
of the PlayStation 4 and especially during the Vita's heyday, the you know PlayStation was really the home of these really popular indie games. We saw games like uh, Hotline Miami and things of that nature really rise to the top on the Vita. And as the PS4 kind of grew into what we know it is today, we saw Sony start to shy away, not be as focused on indies. And this shift kind of what really cemented this was the release of the Nintendo Switch and Nintendo going from kind of mixed on indies with the Wii and the Wii U. I mean, obviously, the Wii Shop channel had some indie stuff, but really take a strong initiative on the Nintendo Switch. And of course, just that functionality of having the console version and the portable version at the same time is huge. Anyway, we're now seeing PlayStation kind of step back into the ring with indies. Maddie, what do you think about um, them kind of trying to recapture this part of the market. I'll be curious to see how long it lasts for. Um, I think there's one commonality between when PlayStation was big on indies and Nintendo, and it's that they both had a system that was portable, and I do think that's just attractive uh, for, for, for these indie games because a lot of them are these, like, 8-bit, 16-bit, uh, you know, less demanding art styles, essentially, but they're good-looking. And um, they just do bring you back to that time where it was on like a Game Boy or Game Boy Advance or whatever. Um, so I just feel like there was something common there where where the indies thrived on their respective consoles with portability attached to them. Um, but I think it's good because you'll get games like Stardew Valley or something that um, just take the world by storm because someone gave them a chance. So I think it's good that uh, Sony seemingly has an investment in propping up indies i don't know if they have a uh this initiative is more so like a financial like they're helping pay and promote them or more so having a platform to serve them from which i think is good either way um because most of the time these these in not most of the time i should say but some of the time these indies just need a, a look like someone grabs their attention that's all all they need um and it's not about like getting people to pay because usually these games are relatively cheap i also think the timing is good because even the the write-up from Shuhei mentioned how some games can feel samey, some games can be a little pricey, and that indies still need to be celebrated. Because even if they're a part of the price raise, raise, right? Like, let's say indies go up from usually their $20, $15 mark to $25, $30. That's still way more affordable than $70. So um, these people should be celebrated and, and have a platform to, to have their stuff shown off from... Because I know Nintendo, obviously, they have their directs, but they also had the like the Nindy directs, is I think what they called them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think it'd be pretty cool if during State of Play, when they start getting that more concurrent, that they had a an indie one. I think that'd be really good. And somehow wrap it into the main show, because I feel like you just instantly uh, like lose the, the, the attention of a larger crowd when you go like, you know... This state of play is an indie showcase, right? Like if you just tucked it into the main show, I think a lot more people would be interested. It's interesting to see different people's perspectives on indie games because you have some people who they're going to, you know, you have, you have multiple different types of gamers. You have people who are going to play, um, they're going to buy Call of Duty and Madden every year, and that's the games they're going to play all year. Uh, those are their two game purchases. They're totally fine sinking hundreds of hours into each of them, and they don't need anything else. Then you have the people who are only going to play uh, other, you know, big blockbusters as well in there. Then you have people who really kind of shun the AAA market, not maybe because they don't like AAA games. They just, those games don't speak to them in that same way. And they're going to be all indie. And then you have people like at least Dustin and I, and I assume you from the way you're talking, Maddie, uh, that kind of want to play both. Like, yeah, I love playing Call of Duty and I love, you know, I just played Last of Us 2, which is, arguably probably the biggest game of the year, but there are definitely indie games. You know, one of my favorite games from last year from 2019 was uh, my friend Pedro, which is like pretty under the radar indie game that was phenomenal. And I think 20 bucks or something. Um, and full, I mean, we, I, we didn't, we didn't buy it. So I don't remember for sure, but it was definitely a budget title and like, I want to play everything. So the more that someone can offer, I mean, the switch has been that specifically, like you mentioned that if I want to play the new Mario game or the new Zelda game, I can play it there and it's going to be an amazing experience. I'm going to pay full price for it. But if I'm just bored one day and want to hop on to the, the eShop 
and find a new game. And I think that's where it comes in is the discoverability. Uh, somehow, you know, Nintendo has taken all these years of, of watching everybody else do it. And maybe they even just stumbled into it of, well, let's make these indie games accessible to people, not only through portability, but through discoverability. And that's something that we had at one point with Xbox when they did the, you know, the summers of arcade and they focused on indies. And that's something we had with PlayStation when they put a big focus on indie games. And so you have to wonder, is this just a marketing ploy for Sony because they know their launch lineup for next gen might be a little weak or is this something they're actually going to focus on because they realize that they have to spend a lot less money to make a lot more money than they do with the AAA games like we were talking about earlier. So I agree. I'm interested to see how long that lasts, but I'm also pretty confident in it because one, they have a bit of a, of a history, but two, they put Shuhei in charge of their indie efforts. And I feel like it's almost like if Shuhei sat down next to me and was like, Hey, uh, I've got this really exciting proposition for you. I'd like to cut your leg off. I'd be like, <laughs> you know, that sounds weird, but I think since Shuhei said it, I have to do it. And so like, I feel like anybody in the know at all about the, the personalities are going to trust the the leadership there. And then they're going to, they're going to be able to find those games. So, I mean, that's my hope, at least I, I don't know for sure how they're going to present that, but if they, if the first person to make indie games, super discoverable all the time and and it, your triple a games are going to sell they're just going to sell that's that's what that's why they're triple a they have tons of money put into them and tons of marketing but your smaller ones are only going to sell if you give them a little bit of room to breathe and a little bit of uh, attention and as long as they do that i'm confident if they decide that's not going to make them as much money maybe maybe it doesn't make them as much dollars but is the roi better and that's i think that that needs to be a focus for everybody, not just Sony or Nintendo or anything. For sure. So yeah, we'll see what ha happens with the uh, PlayStation Indies. Either way, I'm just excited that they're doing something. Even if it only lasts a little bit, I think that PlayStation has done good work with Indies in the past, and I hope that uh, we'll see them do more in yeah. the future. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna fold this last story into quickies for the sake of sake of uh, uh, time. Matty, are you ready for maybe a quick quickie or two? Oh, man. Quite the offer. Sure. <laughs> Hell yeah. Here we go. Okay. So here, I'm going to do quickies a little different this week because sometimes our quickies turn into longies, which just sounds as terrible as it is. Yeah. So I'm going to read all these quickies. And then if any quickie stands out to you in particular, we can, we can chat about it for a few minutes or so. So first of all... Uh, Video Games Deluxe, this is a company that worked on L.A. Noir, the VR case files, posted on their LinkedIn that they're working on a AAA open world title for, for Rockstar. Um, and mm. that 2020 marks their seventh year of working exclusively for Rockstar. And this is literally what they said, quote, we are excited to taking on this groundbreaking project because I copied that right from uh, their LinkedIn. Interesting. So, could be something interesting there. Hmm. Uh, Halo 3 is coming to PC as part of the Master Chief Collection on July 14th. This will be Halo 3's PC debut. Horizon Zero Dawn is coming to PC as well on August 7th. We knew about that already, but it will be $49.99 at release. And the trailer they showed showed off a bunch of the PC features, such as like ultra-wide support and high frame rate stuff. So lots of good stuff there. Toys for Bob tweeted that there will be no microtransactions in Crash 4. Initially, we had heard that there would be, but they went out and made it clear that that was not the case. So Great definitely some kind of weird miscommunication there. Modern Warfare. Ben, I put this one in here for you. Uh, Modern Warfare is now over 200 gigs Ow. on PC. So It's not much less on PS4. No? No. Damn. That's so literally a, half of the base hard drive. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was about to say. That's, you know, that's, wow. Next level. Disgusting. Shadow Warrior 3 has been teased. Uh, this is a game that Devolver Digital publishes. I can't remember the studio that makes it, but that's one of their bigger games. Uh, they tease the game. It will have a gameplay trailer at the Devolver Direct. Uh, two more. The Mortal Shell Beta 
that we've been hearing about. They kind of were rolling out codes here and there. I know the press had a chance to look at it. The beta is now open for everybody. That's on the Epic Game Store. Uh, this game is from a company called Cold Symmetry, which if you haven't heard of them, that makes sense because it's a new studio, which they have different artists from Call of Duty, Ghost of Tsushima, a bunch of AAA veteran devs on that. Last but not right. least, Maddie, I had to throw this one in for you because I knew that you could actually talk about it, whereas Ben and I can't because we've never played it. Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning has a brand new expansion coming to the game in 2021 called Fatesworn. This was announced like literally just a little bit before we started recording. <laughs> so yeah. kind of interesting. They're taking this, you know, they're doing a re-release of this game and then even going a step further and adding on to it. So I think it's so exciting. I, I really like that game a lot. And I think that's almost exactly what it needed because the base game didn't get enough attention as far as I'm concerned. So right. now you've got a chance to invest in that and look forward to something down the line. I don't know if it'll be paid or not. They didn't really give any details and they even quietly bumped back the release date. It was supposed to come out in August, but now it's coming back and come out, coming out there. Can't talk in uh, September. Right. Maddie, can you quickly, just because we talked about this, this, um, I guess it's, it, it's somewhere between a remake and like a remaster is from, from what I gathered. Um, what is Kingdoms of Amalur and why should people care about it for people like Ben and I who basically know nothing about it? Um, it's in a sense a hard sell because the story can be hit or miss. It's it's by R.A. Salvatore, who's you know a very popular fantasy writer. So you've got some real deep lore there if you care to get invested. Knowing that there is an expansion, though, I, I did say this in some of my initial coverage that it's sometimes hard to get invested in that lore just because knowing the nature of the series and, like, is there a future? Uh, but now knowing there is more coming, it might be a little more easier to get roped in because you know it's leading up to something. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's rooted deep in fantasy. Uh, the combat is still great. It's it's sort of hack and slashy, but there's so many different builds. Um, you have uh, it's really a gameplay style RPG, right? Like I, sometimes people think RPG is all about story choices, and you got a couple of those, but it's more so about how you build your character. If you want to be like a battle mage, or you can get these weapons called like chakrams, which are these floating discs that you can throw at people, and there's combos. Uh, there's a lot to it. As for the the remaster. They are just updating the visuals. Uh, they're saying they're refining the gameplay, and that's why everyone really wants to see gameplay because, <laughs> like, there no one knows what they're talking about. The gameplay was already super <laughs> sharp. Um, so I don't know if they're just using a buzzword or if they're actually going to change something. Um, the only thing that could be refined, really, is that camera. The camera gets hooked sometimes, pulls out, mm. gets really close. That can be an issue from time to time. But overall... Uh, it's just a fun beat 'em up style R RPG that's less of an open world, more of a hub world. Lots of quests, uh, interesting lore. Uh, it's it's got, I mean, the amount of content is insane. The fact that it's going to be sold for forty dollars is even more enticing. So I was mentioning earlier in the show how if you know money's short, some of these games are appealing, and you'll find some basic fetch quests in this game. I'll, I'll make sure to mention that, but. You know, if you if you spend like forty bucks and you get over a hundred hours of content, it's a pretty good deal uh, in that regard. So, um, yeah, it, like I said, it's a bit of a tough sale because you could tell when you played it was very much like a early twenty ten style RPG. Um, you know, where it's strong in some areas but weak in some others. But I I still really like it. It's because it's a gem. Yeah, it's. I think I'm definitely gonna check it out, especially for forty dollars. It's like. Why not? And I think I it's a safe. Know. We might be yeah. reviewing it. It's I a don't safe know. buy. Yeah, we 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 have a. We might be reviewing it as well. Say, but yeah. Um, the and that'll be interesting because none of us are super in depth RPG, um, nerds on our team. So <laughs> that'll that'll be a good experience for somebody. But um, I you know go back to the value proposition. It'd only be in forty dollars, and not that like how many hours per dollar you get is the most important factor. Obviously, the most important factor of a game is is did you enjoy it? But I always try to like compare, you know, how many hours did I get out of this game for the amount I paid? And again, that doesn't always matter. But, you know, if you play an amazing experience, you know, think about the first Last of Us game. What was it? 15 hours or something? Yeah. Maybe not even that long. 60 bucks. Still a pretty good value, if you ask me. Like, that's 
but then you talk about a game like Kingdoms or or something similar. I mean, we're talking dozens and dozens of hours, right? For for an even lower price point than this new one. So, and you're mm-hmm. talking about a new expansion, and I just think um, when you talk about the the value there, that seems like it's unmatched. Yeah, I think price is is so important when like reviewing or 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 gauging the value of a title because i'm not going to review a 40 dollars game the same way i'd review a 60 dollars game if kingdoms of amalur was 60 dollars, i might harp on its repetitive quests or something sometimes but now i'm paying 40 dollars um it's just something you can brush over and be like yeah it's repetitive but it's you know 20 dollars less than the standard market price well that's one of the things that i uh i did i did a little bit of the pr and code distribution and stuff for uh, for Twin Breaker, Colin, Colin and uh, Barry's game, gotcha. and you know, I I helped aggregate all those scores and and get all the coverage and everything, and there were there was more than one reviewer that mentioned, um, you know, for, for this is a fine game, but but you might want to wait for a sale on it, and I'm like, it's ten dollars, yeah, like what are you what is it you're comparing it to <laughs> that you think you're going to get more hours worth of gameplay for ten dollars? If that, I mean, and that that kind of was the crux. Obviously, if it's if you don't like the gameplay style or you're not a big fan of the of a brick breaker, then sure, this game is something you don't want to pay ten dollars for even. But like, when it comes to games in general, like value is important. And that's when we were writing out our review guide. I got to the end and I was looking over everything and I thought, I don't think this is very popular as far as a concept. But I think we should have some kind of factor in there. Like, if a game it would normally be a seven but it was cheap and you got a lot of experience out of it. For me, that makes it an eight, you know, or maybe, maybe not quite an eight, but like a 7.5. So like, I think the value is a lot. So I don't know how we got there from kingdoms. Um, but, uh, I guess I will say that, yeah, I'm excited to check it out because it is like a $60 game that I've never played that I might not be super invested in is a hard sell for me, but a $40 game that I've never played and might not be super invested in is a way easier sell for me. Yep. Right. Exactly. Safer bet. The only other comment I wanted to make about some of these quickies mm-hmm. is that uh, Sony charging forty nine ninety nine for Horizon on PC is a G level move. I mean, <laughs> I'm not surprised right. at all that they they know that there is a captive market of PC only players that are willing to spend fifty dollars. It just kind of sucks for I like I get it, but to think like oh well you can you could pick this game up for twenty less than twenty dollars. I think it's ten. You know, yeah. for the even the complete edition. So I'm frustrated mainly because I want to buy it and play it again on PC. But like, I just can't like there's part of me that I'm like, I already own this game. I already spent 60 and played it. So to spend another 50 just feels right, you know, but yeah, it's it's that that's an easy pass (laughs) completely because now they're just straight up targeting. Hey, have you not played this game? Now you've got to pay premium. Right. Yeah. Which I it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like even. 30 or 40 i could have been com- like there should be a little bit of a premium because they did have to spend time and money and 40 yeah i think 40 would have made sense but so that's it for the news and pretty much our most of our show uh we can do a quick maddie since since you're a guest i want to bring you into the fold with dreams and shout outs just because i think it's like the best and stupidest part of our show so i feel like you should be a part of it um let's do dreams and shout outs and maddie i briefed you a little bit mm-hmm. but i'll have i'll have ben go first just to set the set the course for us yes please set a good example for us <laughs> all right so my shout out is to no surprise the last of us two and dustin and i are going to be doing a spoiler cast at some point here probably this week uh that'll be a little bonus for the for the listeners um but Basically, I just want to give a shout out. I finished it last night, um, probably like three o'clock in the morning and just all around an enjoyable experience. There were certainly parts of it that I enjoyed more or less than others. Uh, but as a complete package, um, it's probably you know one of the highlights of the last couple of years for me. So shout out to Last of Us 2 for uh, living up to my expectations and perhaps even exceeding them. I, I still need a little time to digest that. Uh, my dream is uh, while I was sitting here, I got a notification that my package was delivered and I have a new graphics card coming in. Hell yeah. So I'm excited to, you know, get that installed and optimized and running and uh, see how it performs. 
you got actually you got two 2080 ti's coming in right i actually got uh <laughs> it's a new build i got a quad 2080 ti uh, coming in. no i got a um a 2070 it's a it's a it's higher spec model than the base 2070 i think that the technical name of it is the 2070 xc ultra gaming which I don't know Jeez. why they had to throw the gaming on the end of that name, but uh, I got a super good deal on it. It's from EVGA, so I trust it, even though it was um, a, a B stock. Some of the B stocks were like, this might have been a refurbished unit, or it might be just the box got crushed at the warehouse. So I'm excited to see which one of those it is. But either way, it's EVGA. It's got a it's got a great warranty on it. Um, you know, I'm I'm not if it was like some brand that i've never heard of or only heard of once uh i would trust their you know their b stock a little less but i'm a, i i could not pass it up for the price i paid for it so nice worth money maddie what's your dreams and shout out oh man i was trying to think of like a a good dream here's the thing show. maddie <laughs> our our buddy brandon that's normally on the show one time was like shout out to good smells and just talked about mm. how he liked candles and stuff. So really, there is no pressure to say anything about. <laughs> yeah, I see. I feel segment. like I thought too hard on this. Like I was expecting Ben to hit us with something really deep, and he said, you know, he was just shouting out his package in the mail or whatever. Yeah, and so, yeah. uh, hmm. Let's think here. Uh, I'm gonna say a little shout out to this uh, pretzel I'm gonna eat after the show. Uh, I'm Damn. very hungry right now. And uh, and uh, I'm I'm really just excited to fully ingest that. I've been on a real pretzel kick lately. Uh, I think they're very underrated. I warm it up in the microwave for about 60 seconds. I, I spread a little bit of mustard on the side. I dip it in that spicy brown mustard. It's been great. It's been a great go-to. Uh, you know, it's not super unhealthy, even though it's microwavable. Uh, but it, it you know it gets the job done if I'm under a little bit of a time pressure, which I have been lately in the last couple of weeks. So you know, pretzels have come through clutch. I uh, really do appreciate them and uh, some of the value they've given my diet. As for something I'm dreaming, well, just real quick though, while you're thinking about that, I, I need to ask though, like what ki- what kind of a pretzel are we talking? Like this is a big, soft Bavarian pretzel. It's a, um, uh, this is this is one of the ones you can buy at Walmart in the freezer section for yeah. twenty four for ten dollars. Yeah. Like I need I need to know. It would be the latter of the, the latter. Two. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I mean, those are solid. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll take those. Yeah. That's the thing. They're, they're big. They're soft. They, uh, they're not super salted either, which I really mm-hmm. like. I can't stand super salted pretzels. So, uh, I'm, I'm really happy that they're not, they, 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 they were smart about it. They put like a side package. If you want salt on it, you can go ahead and do that, but I'm not about that. Um, mm-hmm. they're already, you know, high enough in sodium by just being like preserved and being frozen a pretzel. and <laughs> being a pretzel, just existing as one. Uh, so I don't need more salt. I'm okay on that, even as someone gotcha. who, who who really likes savory snacks. So right. I got I got enough salt in my diet. Uh, as for a dream, uh, you know, I don't want to cut too deep here, but I do I do dream of a uh, of going back to my normal life. <laughs> I've just yeah. been uh, me and my girlfriend were talking yesterday, and uh, we were just saying how we both feel like every day we wake up and we just try to kill time until the year's over, and that's just what I've been doing. It's like the perfect way to sum it up. Like I'm living my life, but. I'm just really trying to just kill time till there's stuff that we're able to do safely. Uh, I don't right. mind staying inside. I'm a homebody. Uh, I got no problem with it. I was thriving in the beginning of this, but like now I'm just like, all right, I want to like, I used to take martial arts and stuff. I can't even do that. Um, it's been hard to like, just be active, which is like one of the biggest parts of me. Uh, so yeah, I dream of a, of a, a, a freer, a freer Maddie, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Free Maddie 2020. Yeah, that's definitely been a, a common sentiment among other when other shows we've done dreams and shouts i think that's like each of us have said that at least once yeah so yeah yeah man uh okay for me i'm going to shout out first of all i'm gonna shout out my parents specifically because they're here visiting right now oh. and last night my wife and i and my parents went to the local skate park and my mom was roller skating and my dad was skateboarding with us and I was like, dang, this is actually really cool. My dad was actually better than me at certain things as far as like going up the ramp and then doing a 180 afterwards. He was like totally owning me that, at it. It doesn't surprise me even in the slightest. My dad like grew up your on da- a skateboard. I just feel so. like your dad is 
is the OG at things that you think you wouldn't be the OG at. Right. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> so that was super fun. We've been riding almost like every night when they've been here, just like, you know, whether it's around town or down at the park. So it's been really fun. So shout out to my parents. And what am I dreaming of? Well, I guess I'm, I'm dreaming. I'll just leave it as a little tease. I'm dreaming of a, a little special announcement that we're going to have for Maddie and I. Is that is that vague enough? That's vague enough. Yeah, no one has a clue, and they're just like, "Oh, that's so pretentious." Just say it. They don't get it. That's fine. Right. That's fine. I feel nice like little tease. You, you know, you ever, you ever watch The Office, Maddie, where Michael Scott's like, "I love inside jokes. I'd love to be part of one one day." I I feel like I'm special because I know, but that but I'm not gonna say. Right. You you all can suck it. I'm not talking about it. <laughs> So I guess I can tie that into our wrap up. If you want to know about the the tease, you should follow Maddie on Twitter. You are at G27 status, right? Correct. So either Maddie or myself at Dustin Canfly. And you should just follow Ben while you're at it. Eh. Maybe, maybe it's, not. It's okay. Um, you also, should though. Handsome Phantom at Handsome Phantom on Twitter. You can follow us there. But that's it for the show. So thanks, Maddie, for joining us. This has been super fun and we appreciate you coming on i had a good time hopefully we can have you on again soon we've been wanting to try to bring more people into the fold and maybe even for some spoiler casts and stuff like that so when when those things line up we'll definitely have to do it so yeah i'd love to well thanks everybody for listening as we said earlier uh you can get the show early on patreon.com slash handsome phantom of course go check out maddie on patreon as well that's patreon.com slash mr maddie plays right Correct. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks again, Maddie, for joining us. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see everybody next time. Bye. See you. The HP Podcast and Handsome Phantom are fan-funded through patreon.com slash handsome phantom. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Ben, Jared Cavaliero, Jason Canham, Michael J. Sutherland, and Shuttleworth.